Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church. Thank you so much for joining us on our broadcast on this Sunday, the last Sunday of September, as the summer is left and we're now into the fall season. We're also into a new series of messages. This is the third message of the series, and we're dealing with the subject of hope. You know, hope is such a wonderful thing, a needful thing. We certainly need it in the world in which we're living today. So many question marks about life. We are still dealing with this pandemic. We're still uh, filling up our hospitals with COVID. And unfortunately, we're still experiencing the death of loved ones and friends from that. So many other issues we, issues uh, in the world, uh, crises that are happening all over the world. Uh, we need hope as God's people. So I thought this, uh, this series would be important for each of us. Hope is here. Hope in the Lord is sure and certain. And hope is now. Uh, we remember Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 where the Hebrew writer assures God's people, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So dear friend, if you are out in um, a storm of life today, you have an anchor with Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. You have an anchor, a anchor, an anchor of hope for your soul, and it will keep your ship, your life, firm and secure. Last week, we considered the fact that there is hope for the weary. And we used that precious passage from Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, where Jesus says, Come to me if you're weary and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. You know, Jesus gives rest as he offers his yoke. He shares his yoke with us in relationship that refreshes us. Now today, we want to consider <clears throat> hope for the broken. Hope for the broken. You know, life is fragile. As much as we think that we uh, are okay every day and that everything's going to be just fine, uh, life is fragile, just like you might drop a dish or, or a cup on the floor and all of a sudden uh, that dish or that cup is in uh, pieces, a hundred pieces. Uh, life is fragile. Lives get broken as well as glassware. And you know, the choices uh, that we make are so important. Uh, they really matter. And we also need to know as God's people, as God's creation, that um, our decisions have consequences. You know, the Hebrew or the proverb writer, the wise man of the Old Testament, several times in that book of Proverbs wrote uh, this sentence. He says, there is a way that seems right to a person, but ends in death. Now, you and I have been there, dear friend, where we chose to do something uh, that seemed right at the time, and it led to all kinds of trouble. Uh, that's life. Because when we make these wrong choices, we realize how fragile life is. And it doesn't take very long 
for us to be clear at the bottom. Of course, the, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the fall short there is in the present tense. In other words, we do it over and over again. We, we fail to glorify God with our lives. And because of our poor choices that we make in life, we often become broken. There is a scripture over in the, the Old Testament, Numbers verse chapter 32, verse 23, where uh, Moses speaking to the children of Israel, and he just makes the statement, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. Of course, he dealt, uh, Moses was leading a obstinate, hard-hearted people. God called them that, didn't he? And uh, Moses was trying to deal with Israel, trying to get them to follow the ways of the Lord, and they would for a while, and then they would rebel and become hard-hearted. And he had to tell them, be sure your sin will find you out. You know, whether or not others discover your sin, your sin will discover you, dear friend. And when your sin discovers you, you realize that you are, you are broken. There is a, an account in the life and ministry of Jesus that I feel is very important for this subject of brokenness, and that's what we want to cover today because he addresses a woman in John chapter 8. Uh, John writes this account that took place in the ministry of Jesus, and he's, he's in Jerusalem teaching in the temple courts. And uh, in, in John 8, verses 2 through 6, the first part of verse 6, uh, this story about this woman that had been caught in the very act of adultery takes place. The Bible says at dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And verse 6, the first part of verse 6 says, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, this just uh, ex explains how wicked and, and hypocritical these Jewish teachers were. They really didn't care about the woman. And, and the only reason they brought her to Jesus was to try to trap him so they could accuse him and do away with him. At the same time, Jesus had to focus on a real problem here because this woman was now <clears throat> in a very uh, serious predicament. And you can only imagine how she was feeling at this time. Um, you know, we all have, at times, uh, reached rock bottom. Uh, maybe you don't remember the last time you reached rock bottom, but most of us, at one time or another in our lives, we come to the place where this woman was. Not necessarily the same sin, 
but a place where we realize that we've hit rock bottom. We, we can't go much lower than where we are right now. Now, in this case, we see a broken marriage, a broken woman, a broken uh, reputation. Uh, our sin being laid bare um, can be one of the worst possible things that could ever happen. Uh, I also believe that our sin being laid bare can be one of the best things that happens to us because we need to realize that until we reach rock bottom sometimes, we will never cry out for Jesus. We will never look for his help, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. So in some cases, it's not the worst feeling possible when our sin is laid bare. It's the best feeling possible because we know that we can turn to the Lord. I think about the prodigal son, the story in Luke chapter 15. You see, uh, he didn't come to the solution of his problem until he was in the pig pen starving to death. Uh, and then he had the best feeling of all. And he said to himself, my father's servants have it better than this. I'm going to go home. I'm going to repent and ask my father to make him one of his hired servants. So this woman is in a bad, bad position. Uh, we've all been there. Well, what does Jesus do? Starting with this, the last part of verse 6, the Bible says, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left and the woman still standing there. This is so interesting because the Bible says that Jesus started writing on the, on the dirt, on the sand. And what was he writing in the sand? Well, uh, we don't really know, do we? because it doesn't say. I can guarantee you that he was not just doodling. You all know what doodling is. I don't think he was doodling. Now, some scholars and commentators say that perhaps he was writing the names of those uh, men who wanted to stone this woman. And others suggest that maybe he was writing some of their hidden sins. Maybe they had even been caught in the very act of adultery. Or maybe it was something else that was um, forbidden in the law of Moses. And maybe he was just putting the sin with the person. Whatever the case, their conscience took over when Jesus said, if anyone here hasn't sinned ever, let him be the first to cast the first stone. Well, they were all sinners, weren't they? Maybe they hadn't reached rock bottom. Maybe they didn't feel like this woman, but they realized we're not perfect. You know, I, I think 
I, I want to emphasize the fact that we need to be we need to be people, Christians, who offer hope. Uh, and not only that, but as a group, the church should be a place of hope. Uh, our hearts and our churches should have doors of grace and forgiveness, doors of uh, restoration. This this is so important um, that that uh, we you know sin does not happen <clears throat> in a vacuum. Uh, it it often has collateral damage. It it touches other people. It touches uh, family. It it touches workmates and schoolmates, and it it touches the very dearest to us. And sometimes it touches people that we've never even tried to influence before. But when we sin, when we fall short of God's glory, we do influence them. But people who reach rock bottom, they need hope. Um, as important as it is for a sinner to respond rightly to a shameful mistake, it is equally as important that the church responds rightly to these people who need forgiveness. You know, last week we read from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 where it says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Burden down people, weary people, uh, we need to help carry them. But it's interesting what he says in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writing to Galatians in chapter 6 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You see, that's our job as Christians. And that's our job as a church. It is so very important. Uh, that we realize this. Um, the beauty of the fellowship of the church is that we are able to extend forgiveness and grace to one another because we're all broken, sinful people. We're learning each day how to live under the, the grace of God. And if we really love the Lord, if we really know him as a forgiving, gracious, merciful father in heaven, then we're going to want to reach out and forgive others. So in John chapter 8 here in this story, the Bible says that uh, G verses 10 and 11, uh, the Bible says Jesus straightened up and asked the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. This is a great statement on the part of Jesus. Did Jesus realize that this woman was a sinner? Yes, he did. Did he realize that, that this is a, a very precarious situation that Every person faces in life, yes, I, I think he knows that. Uh, you know, the truest thing about you is that you're loved by God. He does not determine your value based on how well you perform. He does not determine your value based on your reputation. He bases 
his love for you on the fact that he created you. He made you in his own image. And God calls you valuable because he made you. We need to remember that our hope is found in a God who loves us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to leave us that way. And that was the case for this woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. When her accusers and her condemners left, um, Jesus says, I'm not going to judge you or condemn you either. You, you may go. You, you have a fresh start. Leave your life of sin and continue on. This had to be, uh, this had to make this woman feel better than she had felt in a long, long time. Because we know that in this, in this sinful relationship in which she had found herself, she, she was condemning herself. Guilt was written all over her without a doubt. And now Jesus says, I'm not condemning you either. But you need to leave your life of sin. You see, repentance is so important. Uh, God calls you valuable because he loves you. But he doesn't want to leave you in that position. You know, uh, God exposes our sin not to shame us, but to change us. He wants to make us whole. Now, these, these Jewish leaders, they exposed this woman's sin because they had ulterior motives. Uh, they wanted to be able to accuse Jesus if he made the wrong choices in answering their questions. But God doesn't want to expose our sin to change us, uh, to shame us. He, he wants to expose our sin in order to make us whole. He wants to heal us. He wants to put those pieces back together again. You know, in 1 John uh, chapter 1 uh, and verses 5 through 7, uh, John, John just records some beautiful words. Um, and it's so important that we see that. Um, uh, in verse 7, he says, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, uh, his son, purifies us from all sin. And then in verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it is very important that we have fellowship with one another. And that fellowship, once again, reminds us that we need to forgive people and we need to restore them back into a right relationship again. We need to be concerned about people. A lot of times when we realize that a fellow Christian has gone astray and isn't living right, all we want to do is talk about that person, criticize, judge, and tell others what's going on. When all along, what we really need to do is tell God, talk to God, and just pray for that person and, and ask God to lead us into uh, the words, the proper words to lead that person out of his or her sin and back into a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Of course, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and says, uh, 
If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Um, I love this story because it's definitely a story of brokenness. But it's also a story of healing, of restoration. He makes us new. He can put our broken pieces back together and he can make our lives brand new. And I want you to know this morning that if you are broken, if you think uh, you have slipped and fallen to the place that, that there can't be any restoration, then that's not true. That's wrong. Um, I remember uh, years ago singing a song uh, by Christy Lee, Give Them All to Jesus. And uh, the chorus uh, is very, very important because in the chorus it says, Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all, give them all. Give them all to Jesus, and he will turn your sorrows into joys. Would you like for your broken pieces to be put back together today? Just think to yourself, there is nothing that I can do that Jesus can't forgive. And because I've been forgiven, I need to extend my forgiveness to others. Uh, just, Just... Get this feeling within you that Jesus loves me just as he finds me. But he loves me too much to leave me in that position. He wants to make me new. I want you today, if you're in this broken situation, to offer your brokenness, the brokenness of your life to Christ. Choose to obey. Choose to repent and turn. And then once you've been restored and made new, then forgive others and welcome them back into the family of faith. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're not a Christian, if you feel like you're broken and you need help, you need grace, you need forgiveness, Jesus, Jesus, dear friend, is the answer for your need. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we can be in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that you never, ever stop loving us. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are listening today as we have gone over one of these important stories in your word. I know, Father, that there are people listening right now that need hope because they're broken. Help them to see through this marvelous story in John chapter 8 that you can make them new. You can make them whole. You can put those broken pieces back together again. Lord, uh, would you just send your Holy Spirit this morning into the hearts and the lives of these that are listening to this radio broadcast? You know their sin. You know their brokenness. You know their heavy hearts. You you know, and, and your Holy Spirit can lead them in a pathway that leads to life. So I just pray today that that will take place. Uh, Help us, Lord, that we might also uh, have compassion and love and forgiveness for, for those who fail.
maybe family members, those friends, perhaps, or workmates, schoolmates, um, that have fallen short of your glory and that need your grace and mercy. Maybe they're embarrassed or maybe they're so shamed they think they could never find hope again. Lord, give them hope and help us that we might be the ones who reach out to them and provide the answers that only you can give. Um, Make that happen, Lord. Bring about some changes and use us as your vessels. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior and Lord and friend. We pray today in his precious name. Amen.